Hello and welcome wherever you're listening to another episode of Between the Ears. I'm your host Luke and it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Now today is episode 13 of the show and I'll tell you what, number 13, it's an unlucky number for some but not for us, not for you listeners because this episode is an absolute ripper. It was one of my favourites to record and it's been one of my favourites to listen back to as I've uh, continued along the the long editing process. Now, the man who I was able to sit down with, his name's Travis Collier. He's a current Fremantle docker. He's a former Essendon bomber and he was one of the players, the more than 30 players from Essendon to have to miss a year of footy um, at the end of the Essendon drug saga. So obviously Travis has been through some uh, significant um, things in his life and the way that he came on the episode and was so vulnerable and open. We talked about resilience, we talked about trauma, mental health in general, um, and there's truly some lessons for, for everybody, no matter who you are, there's definitely a lesson or two that you can take from this episode. As I said, he was so vulnerable and open, um, and it was truly special to sit down with him and have a chat. So I don't want to keep you much longer because this episode it's an absolute ripper but make sure you like and subscribe tell your friends if you're new to the show leave a rating leave a review um yeah because i think we're doing some special stuff um i've really enjoyed the last few episodes they've been absolute rippers um and this one is is no different so i hope you enjoy travis collier let's go Well, here we are. We're back for another episode of Between the Years, and I'm sitting next to a man who I'm very excited to have a little bit of a chat with. Um, he's a former Essendon bomber. He's a current Fremantle docker. He's kindly welcomed me into his home, and I'm, as I said, I'm so stoked to be here. Travis Collier, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me. How are you going today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, looking coming back and playing pretty soon hopefully so you always ride that wave of emotion of of playing and injury and form and um obviously with the team not going so great at the moment and then not being not being uh, able to contribute um you can kind of you know be a, a bit a bit of a lesser than your best at times but overwhelmingly actually pretty good where things sit Awesome, mate. Well, we might get into our, our gratitude early because, as you said, you might be coming back soon, and, and I'd love to touch on that. Very exciting to see you back out there. Now, we both do three things that we're grateful for or things that went well for us in the last week. People usually get me to go first because I usually put them on the spot, as I've done to you today. <laughs> um, do you want to steer the ship? Or do you yeah, want I, can to go. I can go. I'm sort of having a little bit of time. If you get a bit of time to think and being in, in rehab, it sort of pushes you towards some, some areas anyway. Um, the first for me, and as you've, you've just met my, uh, my lovely wife and my, my little boy, so I'm grateful for them. The little fella's gone through some teething at the moment, so he's been a cranky little, little guy. Um, but you're grateful for, for him being happy and healthy and for, the, um, for my wife, Eloise, of how she's been um, handling parenthood for both of us. It's been, um, yeah, it takes a lot of pressure off me, particularly when you're injured. Your time and energy gets put, footy's such a selfish game so so for them um and then as that transition you know like just actually just playing footy um it might sound simple but um yeah as i mentioned before the the show doing some some post footy stuff now and as you start to talk about what people do and what is life after footy uh it really gives you some 
internal views on how lucky I have it now to be able to play footy um, and to come back home um, in, and to play in front of my family. Um, and the third thing I'm going to have to think of, what am I, what's the third thing I'm grateful for? Um, I'll I'll leave it here and we'll go to you and then we'll come back to you. Okay, no worries. We'll come back. We've never had a we've never had a part A and B for. We'll we'll, we'll get part A, but we'll get we'll get to it. I like it, mate. Take the reins. Um, I've been the more the show's gone on, I've been getting more and more expansive. And the last couple of episodes, my gratitudes were a bit out there, so I'm (laughs) going to rein it in and just. listeners to the show of which I don't know if there are any but they'll know that I ran a marathon a couple of weeks ago and I just um had my first like comeback run without all the inflammation in the knees yesterday and I was just thinking about how grateful I am just to be healthy fit young guy um yeah it's it's um pretty special to just be able to you take it for granted I suppose especially as a you know young fit um bloke uh I also in my day job as I was talking to you before I work with kids um and I'm working with a lot of kids who weren't given and probably still aren't given some of the fortunate things that I have in my life. So just been thinking this week as the kids have come back to school off the back of school holidays, just how lucky I am to to be in the fortunate situation that I am and to have everything that's been given to me. And Sunday afternoon, we had the Sunday afternoon roast back at mum and dad's. It was our comeback <laughs> roast for a little while. I haven't had one in a while and they're just the best I got. Um, Two nephews and two nieces and them running around and being crazy. Um, yeah, they're just the greatest time spending with family and eating far too much and mum's beautiful cooking. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just clicked over in my head my, my last moment and I'm um, a bit annoyed that I, I missed it because uh, I'm actually heading out for dinner tonight and that might seem, again, very simple. But I think since the little fellas arrived, I think we've been out for dinner like two or three times. We got to the movies the other week, so... Uh, El's sister Gab's coming around to babysit him and um, in essence that, that gratefulness comes from the people that we've got around us we're so fortunate my parents um, in their capacity and where they live and, and Elle's parents um, also mm-hmm. uh, and as well as her sister who's here my brother's over in Melbourne but to have that family connection and to ha- now be bringing a, a child into the world to have them there like I with no way we couldn't could have done this without them, and so I'm grateful that we have someone that can babysit tonight. So, it's lovely. So we can get it? out for dinner with some friends who have also got a little bub. So um, the simple things I've learned to appreciate. Yeah, you learn um, going out for dinner, which I hundred percent took for granted when I was in Melbourne. Yeah, because it was there. I was in the city. Uh, after you'd knock off, we'd just go pick where we wanted to go, and that just seems a lifetime away. But yeah, yeah, grateful for that. Those experiences, and it's also probably grateful for the parents um, or your. As you said, your sister-in-law taking the kid, but you're also they're probably just as grateful to spend time with you, with your wonderful son, mate. New life in a family—it's a pretty special thing. Oh, mate. absolutely. We we lived um, with my wife's parents in 2021 for a year, and we had an awesome year. And uh, when the little fella uh, was a couple of weeks old, we were, we were struggling a bit, um, particularly just with what it was like, and mm-hmm. I guess being in the off season. We had maybe a false sense that oh we got both parents around yeah you know two of us always better than one I'm not going back to work for however long and um, we ended up moving back up in with them um, and at the time because you know, you're screaming baby no one really wants to hear that it's amazing how my perception of a, of a, of a plane ride changed <laughs> yeah. change now exactly. um, and to hear that from them of their experiences they're, they're so um, 
happy that they're actually going to experience this period of time mm. because it's it's something that ideally yeah we would have been at our home but um, we just look at through the lens of handing him over when he's cranky but they get to watch him grow and um, and evolve and, and become the little human that that he is so it's pretty pretty special so yeah you, you depending on the lens that you take of which yeah. it is for us it's handing him over when we're exhausted but for them they get to um, to experience the, you know, the first grandchild of both sides of the family come into the world. It's amazing and it goes very quick. I think one of my earlier gratitudes was actually I was listening to a baby cry somewhere or maybe a, um, someone who was on the episode and I was like, you know, it's actually great. Like, oh. It's great to – it changes your perspective once That's you know it. a kid. Yeah. Oh, even like yeah, the plane thing, I was shocking. You'd be like, you turn around and you're like, you know, you're – yeah. You're interrupting my plane because yeah. this is my plane, right? Yeah. You put yourself you not in control a, that yeah. kid. It's like, <laughs> now it's like, yeah, it's so different, and you just almost you, you look at all those experiences like I had no idea. Yeah, what it was uh, like, and just, just so ignorant to the fact that you know what? Yeah, baby doesn't know why it's crying at times. <laughs> yeah. It just does. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's not the parents' fault. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't know that everyone wants a quiet plane ride. Now, let's touch on a bit of footy. Obviously, you're at the Dockers at the moment. You're injured, as you mentioned. Um, and I guess it sort of comes with, with your son. People say that perspective and mm. life changes. Um, did you notice your perspective to, to footy and, and being an athlete change with the birth of your son? I think what I did notice is the value of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Again, having experienced multiple off seasons, um, where really you've got to run three times a week, yeah, go to the gym for a couple, so you've just got so much time off. Albeit you are resting and you do need it because of the intensity of the season, but I don't think I've ever been more present in my first couple of runs back, knowing that I'm getting an hour to myself, mm. um, and you can get away from that parenting aspect. And it was like. Yeah, those moments where you're taking time for yourself um, and how valuable they are because, yeah, I'd be... Off-seasons for me was wake, wake up late, go play golf, go out for brekkie, see mates, like operate completely to the beat of my own drum. Yeah. Um, and not dissimilar. It's not like you were the only one. I'm sure there's no. hundreds of blokes in the AFL it's, and athletes who that is their off-season. Well, That's you, what you you're supposed it. to like, do. You really need that time off because of... the performance nature of the business um to then be able to come back and be ready but yeah that yeah just the perspective of um you know what there's more to life a little bit than just footy um and it did take the pressure off like when i went back to training like i knew i was always going to be fit um always try and set up my season the way it is by your, your off season running and and pre-season ultimately whilst it's difficult it shouldn't be hard and you shouldn't be battling and fighting it because you've actually already done the work um and doing the work and then coming back in it just allows you to realize the importance of what really does matter you're not wasting time doing stuff that might give you a small increase or advantage here and so you just prioritize better Uh, but again i was super fortunate um with my wife and how she was able to um, allow me to get my training done as a priority um off minimal sleep and all these kinds of things so um. now we mentioned the injury obviously you've um not playing at the moment and you've got new perspectives and as you were saying you know footy doesn't last forever there's more to life than footy but at the end of the day you still you've got to probably where you are 
at your life and in your footy career because you're competitive mm. and you want to play and you want to be out there. Can you talk me through some of the emotions? What's it like being an athlete on the sidelines and also in your unique perspective where you know that you're probably closer to the end of your career than the start of it? I said probably just in case. You never know, mate. You could keep, <laughs> you never, just keep going. Yeah, age is all relative. Yeah, um, 50-year-old Travis Collier on the wing. Yeah, I'm, I'm an oldie at the footy club and then I go up to the golf club and I'm a youngie. Like it's, yeah. um, so I think where, um, where injury comes into us is a part of the game. I've... I actually view it as, as fortunate having experienced injuries because it gives you an opportunity just to sort of sit back and take it all in a little bit and um, build a level of resilience that um, you don't kind of get. You don't want to be injured by any stretch of the imagination, but you can actually come out the side better. I think it was my I think it was my third year. I had a full pre-season, was flying, ready to go. And the last main training session before round one, I got my thumb caught in a jumper, broke thumb six weeks. And that was the first moment where I was legitimately like, I'm going to play round one because it does mean more than any other game, um, albeit it's just a game. But it's a reflection of, of a preseason, particularly as a young player, it's, it's what you're aiming to do. And then all of a sudden, it just gets taken from you by an unlucky situation. Mm. And I remember that feeling of like, oh, you you just feel like everything's gone waste and kind of where it is and, and sort of how I handle that as to where I handle it now where I've had a full pre-season get a little knee soreness like leading into the first pre-season game against Adelaide where you know, I'm going to play two weeks of not really knowing and then then end up going in for the surgery um, and then getting that right and then mm. another one happening mm. um you're just able to kind of roll with it a little bit better um, and kind of understand that the season is long, you know, how many people are going to remember the round one team later. Um, but I'd like to put myself in a position to succeed um, whereby you're giving your body and, and giving yourself an opportunity that if you come back early, you're kind of hovering at that 70 80%, whereas you give it the extra week and... I think at times that can be viewed as, oh, you know, do they, are they desperate to come back? And it's like, well, not really. Like, I, I, of course I want to play, but I'm also aware of everything else that goes on with being injured the rest of your life with the nature of surgeries. Mm. Um, you can't just kind of jump back into something. And so you, you, you're back playing early and that looks great. Oh, you know, he's really diligent with his rehab mm. and he's got back within five weeks, but then you can't just hover for two or three because you're still trying to figure it out. So taking the extra one to know that it's actually going to benefit you in the long term, and it's hard. And again, it's something that you have to experience. Mm-hmm. I had two previous injuries, uh, 20, 2015 and then 2018, where yeah, both were extended times out. Um, the 2015 one, I was moon boot crutches six and a half weeks and then mm-hmm. moon boot for another six weeks. So there's you know, three and a bit months where I'm in a boot yeah. and just getting around was, was hard. And then in 2018, it was not as long, but yeah, there was a period of non-weight bearing for sort of four or five weeks. And those were actually a little bit off the back of what it's going to look like sort of post-footy and yeah. life of, all right, get these things right now because if you don't, yeah, you could have problems later. Bugger. So again, you never want to experience an injury, but the experience that an injury provides, um, you should use and try and use as a... As a as a way to grow and become a better person, not just be resentful for something that's happened that you might not have been able to control. Yeah. Um, 
it's so it's so special to hear you talk about that one thing and i'm big on i'm i'm getting better every day but there's definitely still some things i need to work on and there's first step is admitting you have a problem and one thing recently was that setbacks would tend to deter me from Mm. moving forward because i want everything now i want to collect things i want to be i did this i did this i did this i did this um and it's interesting that you say you're almost in a rush to get back and that's what i felt where i'm in a i'm in a rush to achieve things but part of the journey that's what comes with doing things right and making sure you're set up and and also trusting the process not not being so worried about the destination yeah you're like everyone everyone's different um at a footy level and at a physiological level of athletes, you know, I'm 174 centimetres mm. tiny. So how my body responds to others is different. Um, you've got to learn to understand yourself physically and mentally and how you respond to it and use those emotions and use those feelings to come out the other side better. Um, it's times where you put on this front and you just push, push things on shelves as a as a way to, to deal and process within the short term can work because you're getting back, you're getting right, you're, you're not showing that you're impacted, but it actually catches up with you in the end. And I've experienced that where it does come back and hmm. come to bite you. And as something as tangible as an injury, like you can see how it comes back, whether you're not prepared or you re-injure or um, you just can't perform to the level that you want because you're just carrying something. So um, all these experiences you just need to learn um, it doesn't mean they're not hard and it doesn't mean that you want to go through them, mm. but there's always two sides in which you can take it. Um, and so just to try, uh, feel it, feel that emotion, but then just try and channel yourself into a better, positive, more positive mindset. Now you're obviously at the dockers now, and I know that we've sort of, we're sort of starting to get into the resilient side mm. of things. And if I'm completely honest, I'm nervous about asking the next <laughs> questions because the show is all about positivity yeah. and I know that we said that, I, I told you before, I used to be a journalist and I hate talking about negative stuff. I just want to focus on the positives but also there's a lot of lessons and you're the man you are today because of things that have happened to you in the past. I guess that probably leads us to Essendon mm. and, and missing a year and, and all that went on there. I guess the thing that I'd be most curious and I think would be the most valuable lesson is how are you today when mm. when things get discussed? Because um, obviously I have a visceral yeah. reaction and I've got butterflies yeah. asking the question, how are you when when the whole Essendon thing gets brought up? So I'll touch on the, the first thing that you said um, when you're talking about who I am today is based off what I've gone through. Yeah. Um, and that is something where I sit comfortably here as a better person because of my experiences and yeah. I hope it's sort of, that's sort of how it's to come out. Um, but the context in which they arise mm. um, around the questions and like who's asking it and the, the, that would probably dictate a little bit of, yeah. of my response and how it is. Um, and sometimes it's unconscious of how, how it comes out later when it might be really well-intentioned. Mm. And then like I'll notice myself you know, a couple of hours later or the next day or something in maybe a, a more negative mindset mm. and it's like... Oh, it's just there and lingering. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that we went through, the experiences that we had, I'm still dealing with. And I think having the the opportunity to still be in the AFL yeah. um, does have them kind of there. But then being at a completely another club 
in a whole other state where there's a level of understanding, mm. but it's not really talking, spoken about. No. It's like a lot of the guys, you know, they weren't even, most weren't even in the industry or had an idea about what was happening. So yeah. to kind of not have it there at all um, is pleasing. Um, but then, yeah, it just pops up. Like I think it was something social media the, the wonderful world that it is mm, um, that's one way to put it <laughs> <laughs> uh, something popped up about the Essendon 34 where are they now yeah and I'm like how is that like, how is that relevant mm. like and then someone's like oh it's you know 10 years since and I'm like well I kind of went for an extended period yeah but just to, and then there was a, there's a photo of us um, sitting there. I'm pretty sure it was after the AFL tribunal decision and Joe's for the front and I'm sort of standing back behind him um, yeah, and it brings it front of mind you're like and in that context it's like well why, why are they talking about like do people really mm. want to know I don't know maybe they do and maybe that's just the way that I've processed and dealt yeah. with a lot of it it's like haven't we all moved on from this like mm. I've still got a handful of um, friends at Essendon you know um, playing um, who experience some of it there's some guys that are different, different clubs now mm. and like we're not you know, it's not front of mind for us no. um, but look like like maybe it is of interest so mm. we're in a entertainment environment and people want to want to know what's going on so there's a level of okay you know do you um, and so kind of I guess where it sits now coming out of the other side I am more than happy to talk about it and discuss it kind of with anyone because the, probably the a big part of my frustration going throughout was the misinformation and mm. how it was dealt with and reported and the, and things that were out there and I actually want to be able to kind of give people an insight yeah. over this is what like I experienced mm. I know where I sit with it I know what yeah. I did I know what I didn't do I there's elements that I haven't even gone into probably myself mm. um, and that's a little bit of yeah putting it on the shelf that's where I'm dealing with it now I'll probably mm. get to it later maybe coming out of the industry I'll be able to fully comprehend and maybe go through it again I don't know I actually haven't sat um, down and thought about it but um, kind of rounding it all out I, I, I struggled with um, for a, a while uh, of like where who I am now mm. and um, I came to a, a, a mindset of and off back off the question of you know would I want it to happen again? Mm. Um, and the obvious answer was was no. Mm. Uh, and then I kind of went a little bit further because of I am who I am. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I'm not pretty happy. I'm yeah, I'm pleased with kind of who I've become, <laughs> and it's given me this perspective. But um, would I change the experience? Because we can't change what's happened. Mm. And for a while, I was like, oh, I don't, you know. Where, where does it sit with me? And the answer is actually no. Mm. I was worried about verbalizing that when I came to it because I'm like, well, why would, why would you wouldn't want to change that? Mm. Like it was, a, it was a horrendous time for, for me, for my teammates, for the footy club, for my family and friends. And those, the family and friends are the ones that I'd probably need to really understand and comprehend how it impacted them because I was so insular. But mm. I actually wouldn't change the experience. And I, but I would never want it to happen again. Yeah. So those two mindsets can kind of be a little bit conflicting and, and a little bit hard to comprehend, but like I am who I am today because of that. I've come out the other side a better person. 
um, I've dealt with a fair amount of it. I'm still dealing with it. And there's parts of it that I'm, I still need to address. Um, but it's just given me um, an opportunity to assess my values and who I am, how I respond, um, my relationships with people. And so it's just opened up all these trains of thoughts um, and, and areas that previously wouldn't have. Um, that being said, you know, I was a, a young 20, 21-year-old naive kid yeah. that's been drafted and put in a situation. Um, so, that, you know, should I have been put in this situation? Absolutely not. No, definitely um, But, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't change it, but I wouldn't want it to happen again. It's very interesting. One thing, and I've been through some... Um, pretty horrible things in my life that have happened to me but it's a very freeing moment the moment that you realize actually I wouldn't change it and sometimes you feel guilty for that because yeah. as you said it impacts a lot of people and especially when you discuss things like um, grief or heartbreak and all of these type of things you think oh it's it's a bit weird because you should want to change it yeah. but at the same time I am exactly where I'm supposed yeah. to be and it's a very freeing thing to happen how long ago do you reckon you came to that sort of um, realisation that you are where you're supposed to be? Mate, look around you. You've, yeah. you know, you've, there's no way that this isn't where you're meant to be, mate. No, absolutely. I think it was probably coming back to Perth um, mm. to be able to play footy and, and AFL at the top level in and around family and friends mm. and to get a first-hand experience of what it means to to them um, because you you are removed from it in, in Melbourne with, with the people that I kind of have there and it's so concentrated on footy um, Melbourne that yeah you can't really take that sort of step back and, and it was the, a bit of a natural progression of leaving Essendon and actually just getting myself out of there because um, like it was it's such a it's a wonderful club um, and it's such a powerful club that has this history but you can really get engaged in, in the four walls of it and you don't really get to see what else is going on and to just have reminders of when you're walking in and um, just being in that environment which co- which caused and ultimately is reminds you of grief mm. can be really difficult and, and challenging but not wanting to leave the boys and the players and you know some guys left um, 2017 because they're coming back and guys left at different stages now and the interaction that we we have is still different on different levels um, but yeah it was this natural I think progression of actually just getting away from the footy club and coming somewhere fresh where no one there was no prejudice no one knew no like people mm. were like almost asking to come like yeah what was it like mm. you know how was it um, and you just enlighten them in different ways and um, yeah it's it's an, it was an, it's just an interesting period of time. Um, and there'd be people that cheer for you now at a Freo home game that have no idea that you played for Essendon. There's no. those um, very parochial fans in WA where they think that your life begins and ends when you're wearing purple <laughs> yeah. and the rest of it, who knows where you were. So yeah, that is exactly. part of it well, as well. Well, even like some of the younger players that come into the system now, mm. like they've just, they just, they just don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and not not a big name and not a well-known name at Essendon, let alone at Frio. So it's kind of nice and I can sort of fly under the radar. But, yeah, to then... to come, you, you sort of get this weird reaction. Like, oh, you're there. And then they mm. want to start to ask a few questions because, yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to talk and engage and speak about it. 
sensitive issue um, clearly but um, the more that I can actually put my experiences out there that people people relate to people as opposed to a news report or a, mm. uh, an article or, or whatever it is to hear it and to see it from someone that experienced it it's so different so if I can help educate them mm. or just say like yeah this is what it's like um, then yeah I think it's it's better to get it out and to be talking about it now there's a few things that I want to ask you about but I guess you've you've said a couple of times now that there's the things that you want to is there anything you want to say I suppose that you, <laughs> that you remember or anything that what it was actually like to give people an insight rather than as you say people click on the clickbait it was probably yeah. news.com where are they now the 35 yeah. but but what was life actually like at the time because it was a long process as yeah. well wasn't but, it and that the bit that I where I sit with it now what really angers me I don't know if anger's a word but I think it, it's probably best reflective is it was a blur so yeah. I've got three years of my career and mm. I can't really remember mm. games and um, what it was like as a you know a 21 22 23 year old living in Melbourne and playing at one of the biggest clubs in the AFL mm. and to have that taken away from you those memories mm. is that's it's really frustrating yeah um you remember more of the times of the boys kind of getting to like getting together like i remember when an article would break and like crisis meetings and mm. you're sitting in that lecture theater and you're just like who's talking now what's going on what's happening like who are you and then you're going back to the house that you're living with a couple of boys and you're trying to dissect it all and you're like there was just so much unknown but people reporting on it with such um, certainty that mm. you're like, well, how do you know? Like, we don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then trying to manage that conversation of family and friends who will read something because I was, I, I would like to say, fortunate where my um, parents and, and close friends kind of left a lot of it with me, mm. um, which was nice rather than kind of just, oh, I read this, this is going on, what's happening, and allowing me to kind of tell the story. Um, well not story tell what happened mm. as opposed to reading a story and then that was yeah you just you hear someone who reads something who then oh but I read this and that and then how how it manifests itself and um, I guess in world sport at the time yeah, um, the big, the bigger picture and what was kind of going on and the politics that were sort of yeah. play with um, with Asada uh, the AFL and then WADA and how that process went out and what it was just so drawn out like I remember 2015, I want to say, we, it was a pre-season game and we couldn't play because we were provisionally suspended. Mm. And so we were doing a training session and it was a training session against Williamstown or they were involved or however it was because we couldn't do it. Yeah. And I, I actually, it's funny because Brett Buley, who was at, as our freeman for a couple of mm. years, I played on him on the <laughs> yeah okay. in the training session, and we had a helicopter over the top of training out at Tullamarine. Yeah, and you're like, what is going on? Yeah, just like the the how and it, look, it was big, mm. and because we were in it and we we're living in it, you would just you really had to block a lot of it out because you couldn't read it. But you probably I probably didn't understand how big it was. Mm. Like for a Friday afternoon to have a helicopter. Mm. Like 
looking over the top of a training session with you and Brett really going head me and Binger you know competing at each other we didn't realise until later you just sort of sort of scratch your head moment and you're kind of like wow like that that happened so you remember that and Mm. then I'm trying to think then we got the decision came down and we got off and then we played Sydney in round one and that's kind of a little bit of my memory from that sort of year 2014 um, that was obviously when Bomber was coach Mm. and then the back end of 13 was when all the I think the AFL sanctions came down and then they started having a go at the players I think do you remember when you first found out that stuff was yeah moving it would have been 2013 or earlier than that I'm trying to remember now yeah I feel 2012 like... was 2012 was when it sort of started um, and then it was yeah this going into 2013 year I'm pretty sure there was a there was a bit going on in um, drugs in general, drugs in sport in Australia mm. at the time, and then Cronulla were going through a similar thing in the NRL, and then yeah, we self-reported, mm. and then that's where it kicked off. Yeah, from there of, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was 2013. Yeah, there was a, some, I remember later there's some statistic about being front or back page of the paper 52 times throughout the season. Whoa. Which, that's a lot. Yeah, and there was, ca- yeah, there was cameras and there was people, and you just you just don't really know. And, yeah, um, we couldn't provide a lot of insight because we didn't know. Mm. No one really knew. Was it almost that it came out? From my recollection, because it was self-reported and it came yeah. out, you didn't know. You didn't really know what people were referring to. It was sort of like, no. what's what do. Well, yeah, you internally reflect, right? Yeah, you go, you all right, what, what did we do? What did I do? Where's the violations? All these kinds of things, and you're getting kind of advice of what you know, what they're, um, who's being targeted, what they want to know, and information, and um, you know, wanting to understand kind of what happened at the club. Are they coming after the players? Mm. Um, the interview process. I remember that specifically because some of the boys that went earlier they were like these three four five hour six hour long interviews where you're getting interrogated by a slut. Uh, pretty sure it was yeah a starter in line with the afl and the process yeah and i was one of the sort of the later ones to go and so you i don't know if it was good or bad because you heard about what it was like and you're going into it and you're trying <laughs> to remember trying to remember stuff and yeah it wasn't a, it wasn't a pleasant thing at all yeah no, and, i can't imagine um the afl pa were helping um sort of go through that in their capacity that they could um and yeah it's just and it, albeit trying to play and perform at the elite afl yeah. environment yeah. and win games and um there was a really big back uh, backs up against the war mentality us versus them and we really lent into that mm. um and it definitely it def- i think it definitely came out in games and there was periods throughout that you can remember mm. um i didn't play the game but the the game back here against west coast um, Job had had a horrendous week. Mm. Boys got up and yeah, like things like that. Which is it's it's a shame that you remember moments where people were scrutinised and and someone your, your leader and um, in the purest sense of him being um, representative of the playing group to be suffering mm. like that. That's a real tough pill to swallow at times. Do you, do you remember how long into the process did it become a possibility that you you might be punished? Was it straight away? <laughs> no. Because no. I can't imagine. Because it was, it was years down the track that yeah, you actually so get. Yeah, it's 2013, all that sort of went on. Then the AFL sanctions, um, 
And you get off initially. Uh, yeah, that's the one thing that people really forget, and it kind of like it's that it's it's a, it's a point of it's a bit of a bitter pill because I don't really like how people forget that there's a neutral AFL tribunal of mm. how AFL and ASADA handle this investigation. There's a unanimous verdict yeah. that we didn't do anything wrong. Mm. Um, yeah, people forget that. And then it comes... So I was I angry guess, when that... Yeah, put me in your out. head. Yeah, that was, that was a real... It's funny how this stuff just starts flowing back, mm. which is nice. Um, but it was such a... We were at the Pullman Hotel in Victoria uh, in... Uh, where was it near, near Albert Park which we actually stay there now so it's kind of haunting going back oh, there that is scary Boom yeah. was playing for free I was like well, last time I was in here that wasn't a very good experience <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine um, but yeah I remember we were upstairs and um, very, you know, we were still sitting around everyone's kind of nervous because there's you know, more of us still playing then at the time yeah and I remember just being angry mm. and that like guys were jumping around because it meant it meant the same, but different things for different people for how it impacted them. But I was angry purely off the sense of like, people are not going to understand what we've gone through unless we get suspended. Because mm. it's just going to be like, oh yeah, they're off, no worries, all good. Yeah. And it's just going to be sort of not swept under, but yeah, players are fine. No, they're I'm good. No yeah. Yeah, play And I was like, this is, no, like I, I it, You've dragged us through all this for nothing. Yeah. Not that you want to get suspended. Yeah. But like, it was just, and I wasn't conscious of that because it just, I just remember standing there and feeling it. I was just like hollow. I was like, what on earth has gone on for this last year and a half to lead us to be in this scenario Mm. to then all of a sudden we haven't done anything wrong, which I've always known what I've done. Um, So... Yeah, that's a, a, that was this really strange mindset. Um, and then obviously, second time around, when you yeah. find out that that decision's been overturned, yeah. you're probably well, that, ang- angry again. I no, that was a di- that was that was different in the sense of kind of like a lot of. I probably took personally a little bit more of a backseat to that because it was it went from all of a sudden an AFL tribunal to a wider appeal mm. in. Um, and I kind of removed myself from a little bit. Mm. Some guys went, some guys got really involved and when the smoke is fire yeah. of you just start hearing some actual murmurings that's not going, not looking good. Not good. And you're sort of thinking, well, how? Mm. Um, and that, that's probably the part that I back in mate, maybe after footy or I reckon I might kind of go into and start reading a little bit more about how that kind of went because at the time I was like, well, I, I can't do anything right mm. now to change anything. Yeah. Nothing. This is completely out of my hands. So the more that I try and get invested and involved in this process that is so far removed from what's actually happening, I'm just going to get a consequence of it. Then the more it will kind of build me up. And that, yeah, that morning was very strange night before, um, I've never sort of feel anything like it. I was living with my now wife and my, my best mate at the time. Um, and we just we just sat up that night and we had a few drinks just to kind of take mm. the edge off. I didn't sleep well. Uh, went with two of the boys in the morning. I think um, I think we were at a different hotel. Uh, and it was just an eeriest feeling sitting around because some guys had gone um, listen into the, the hearing when it was on and we're just getting the findings. And it was just, yeah... 
the look on the face of the lawyer as they walked back in. You were just like, we're in trouble here. Mm. Uh, and even then, you still didn't understand maybe the gravity of what it might be, which yeah. is a whole year. And you're like... It's a long time. Yeah, that hit. And I remember just looking around and I just walked out and just went and sat in the toilet just for half an hour and just kind of didn't really... It just, yeah, just to try and let it sink in. Mm. Um, so that, that was just a really, really, really strange period of time mm. that, yeah, um, it didn't sink in for a long time. I just wasn't going to training. And yeah. then the bureaucracy around that of how that... Well, I was injured at the time. I couldn't see my physios. We had to go get AFL approval or something. It was like off-site at a different mm. place just to get treatment. Yeah. We couldn't engage in any sport... We couldn't, you know, like submitting a golf card at your local golf course was not because it's organised sport. Like little things that you don't, yeah. in, in essence, think about too often. And I had this, yeah, this one day, I just, I reckon it was maybe four, five, six weeks after the decision. I just woke up one morning and um, my, uh, Elle had gone to work and I was just lying in bed and I was like, all right, what am I going to do for a year? Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, that, that was a... I sort of viewed that moment as a really, really good... But it was a horrible time, but a good turning point where, yeah. okay, where am I at? I'm six, seven years into a footy career. Yeah. 57 games, I wrote it down. Yeah. I've got maybe half a degree under my name. Mm-hmm. What if it does end now? Yeah. And um, initially it was scary because it was like, I've got nothing to me. Like what, what does, yeah. Like, so I, I can, coming on the back end and in my 14th year now, it's really easy in hindsight to look at what that, that was. But I was really fortunate to have my career effectively end mm. um, and force me to start thinking about other stuff without the pressure of having to play and perform and do it. So yeah, stuck into my uni and then just started building from there of what it looked like. And again, it was, was very, it depends on where you look at it. Um, coming out of it, I had more concept contract security from a playing side than I've ever had, mm. um, which we deserved. Yeah. <laughs> um, clearly to have time taken away and where I was in my career. Um, and then to build this second part of my career um, has been really nice and to to know what that means and to come back and um, set myself up to to get to where I am now. You kind of, yeah, you look back on those years and you think, well, how have I got to where I am? Mm. Yeah. One thing that struck me earlier as you were, as you were talking, and f- firstly, thank you very much. It's very courageous the way that you speak about things and, and that's what the show's all about, is about people that are in the position to be vulnerable to be vulnerable because mm. there's people who aren't in the position who need to hear that everyone goes through yeah. something and it might be behind closed doors it might be on the front and back page 52 times we're all people right yeah. now you talked about the you know the photo of the 34 of you and i used a bit of empathy put myself in your shoes the one thing that would have been going in the back of my head is just standing in front of all the cameras, either finding out the findings or Job's talking or whatever, I would have been thinking, am I a bad person? Yeah. And I'm sure that that was one thing that went through your head. Over to you. Go yeah. for it. Um, it's a really interesting one because... And firstly, I want to say that everyone that I've talked to 
since the incident, I feel like the majority, well, everyone that I've talked to, has moved to the fact that it wasn't all the players yeah. completely hard done by. So I want you to know that everyone yeah. that I talk to, no one thinks you're a bad person. Yeah. But it takes a lot longer for you to come to terms with that, Completely. right? Completely. I think what went through my head and the anger, um, and this is, was raw anger, was, you know, I'm classified now, if you were to look up as a drug cheat, mm. which still, like, it, it doesn't, I know I'm not, but it did not sit well with me for a long time. Mm. And you kind of just, you look at to the, the, the most probably prominent example in world sport, but it was kind of put on a world stage with Wada kind of getting involved, was Lance Armstrong and mm. the deception. I'm like, I'm not, like and the, that in, I remember the interview that he did and the way that he spoke about this systematic yeah. um, drug regime. It's like psychopathic pretty much and you the just way he talked like, about it. I'm the same as any other drug. Like cl- some people classify me as that. Mm. Like uh, that's, and, and that, that, really did rock, not rock me around because mm. you, you, you're pretty confident and then you, at the time you're like, oh, did I? Did I what, what's going on? Like, did this happen? I don't know what this Because all my context is my interview. Mm. Sitting down, what I spoke about, what I did, the processes that I put in place, the processes that the leadership group put in place, the processes that the then footy club put in place to put it was a uh, a supplements regime and, and the way that that went about and the the due diligence that we took to make sure everything was you know a, approved and would be to be taken and then all of a sudden for a part of that to come under question and then you've you're sanctioned like how does anyone rationalize that when you you like like, am I? You, quite, mm. you, you just you have to question it in your own sense of like, well, did I do something? Or was I caught up in something? Like, I don't know. Would I? Should I have, should I have questioned this? Should I have done that? And um, ultimately, it's not as binary as good and bad. Mm. Um, and to to it, it's unfair on myself and and who I am, and it's unfair on others to to put them in a, in a category as good and bad drug cheat not drug cheat sanction not like it's it's there's so much grey and you, ju- you just can't and if you try and put yourself in those categories you ultimately like what is what is good what is bad and you, you start to question what that is so for um, for me it was just um, a period where some really bad things happened mm. um, but I've come out and now the other side of some really good stuff is occurring and I've Evolved, and I am who I am because of that experience. Um, yeah, I've talked about myself, my own experiences, and we always do. I feel like in the world right now, everything has to be quite binary. Yeah. And B, we want things to be black and white. We want you. You're either a, the worst person in the world, or you're the best person in the world. And and I'm a bit the same, and it's something that I need to work on. Where I'm either. Today I'm a fitness fanatic and I run and I eat salad or I'm getting KFC three times. I'm going through that drive-thru and I'm yeah. not moving. And we want things to be binary. How long did it... Because it's something I'm still trying to do. Did you become comfortable with the grey? Become comfortable with the fact yeah. that sometimes the water's murky? Oh, yeah, I can't... You sort of had to, really. Mm. Because there's no no logic or no rational explanation for what had ultimately occurred. Um, and if you 
if you tried to do that, you would go insane yourself. Yeah. Um, so you just had to put in processes to deal with the grey. Um, and one of the, I can now say, one of the wonderful things about sort of coming out on the other side is that real strong appreciation and understanding of just general mental health. And, and um, there are pre um, underlying and, and existing um, conditions in our makeup as to what make us who we are and then there's those external factors and managing those two as a general health as opposed to it being the the misconception of what mental health and psychology is particularly in young males in a pretty alpha industry of the afl yeah exactly um oh there must be something wrong it's like yeah i went to um and still regularly see now as a general health, but because of the, I had a, I had a trauma in my life, yeah, and a trauma that I needed to deal with, and it took me a while to kind of even for myself to come to terms with like, oh, I'm going to see someone. Is something what's wrong with me? Yeah, what like why like well it's clear because there's a there's a trauma, but how I use that now it it allows me to live in the grey more. It's not like oh you've it's you're, you're you're a bad person you're a good person you've got something wrong with you you've got a mental health issue whatever it is it's actually a part of just evolution and evolving and, and becoming a better person so um i yeah i look at it now as being fortunate but it's a general general health um it's i'm particularly in footy and in performance environments everyone talks about it you know it's play between the ears it's like well why don't we work on it why is this why do things have to be wrong like You've gone and run for a marathon mm. and trained for it because you want to get better, not because you have an underlying condition or an existing thing that's wrong with you. Yeah. Like you, you want to improve. So, um, yeah, to, to kind of um, to use that now and to have that, that model of mental health psychology change in my mind has been really enlightening and I'm um, quite passionate about it now and how it it manifests in probably younger males, but also within a general community and and society of going to see someone because you've got something wrong as opposed to just getting ahead. Like, why do we want to be just bobbing above, keeping our head above water? Why don't we just get out ahead of it? So then when things go wrong, we've got the strategies to deal with it. So that grey for me now, I'm comfortable with it because I have the strategies and the support networks and people in place to be able to deal with it when the wave... Um, the waves get bigger now one thing that there's a couple of things that that, um recently i was listening to um some podcasts from uh hugh van kylenberg who does the resilience project stuff i'm sure you've heard about it and the title of um the first chapter of his second book it's about shame and 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 a lot of trauma yeah there's a certain aspect of shame that comes to one opening yourself up and discussing the trauma and also the shame of you know, the way you internalize it. Yeah. Should I be ashamed to seek help or should I, you know, feel shame? Was was I a part of the was I a part of the process? So it sort of yeah. speaks to what you talk about that we have the shame. Yeah. Um another thing is that mental fitness. Obviously people go to the doctor. If I have a cold, I go to the doctor, but also I try to keep healthy. I don't, you know, smoke and, you know, go out in the rain because I know that will probably lead me to having a cold and it's the same with your mental health. 100%. You're in a situation where, you know, catastrophic traumatic experience mm. happens which forces you into now seeing psychologists and stuff like that as you discussed. Yeah. But I'm sure that you preach to people 
you don't necessarily have to wait for you to be struck by lightning. You can go out. What's your, what would you say to someone who's, you know, maybe thinking... Yeah, I just think, why wait? Like, um, the fortunate environment that I'm in mm. is we get exposure to people that want to help us. And if you actually break it down and you look at it at a real black or white level... Within the footy department and those people that are working in a footy club, they're all there working for the players. Yeah. Every so that as a work environment, mm. like how lucky are we? Yeah. Every single person there is there. The majority of their job is to help service the players, from physios mm. to admin staff to our player development managers and our well-being people to the coaches. Um, sports science like doc everyone there. Mm. media they're there for the players yeah um, and then through the players association and, and the AFLPA of what the services they provide we have resources that we can use so why not go out and seek them out mm. um, so for me now and it's a um, a little bit of it, it's not a little it's, it's a passion of mine of just seeing people um, get ahead of their mental health um, in the same way that they want to get ahead to um, uh, to train or play social sport. Like, mm. I think the ultimately with mental health, there isn't necessarily that that outcome and that end result and that destination because, you know, we don't know how long we're going to live for. We don't know what's coming, but you want to have the skills so that when events do arise... Typically, when things affect mental health, it's a negative emotional response to a stimulus. So, but we don't want to experience that. We're not seeking those no. situations out as opposed to setting a goal for a physical commitment that we want to do and trying to get there. Um, uh, so within, within the, uh, the AFLPA and, and the, the language that we use at physical, we talk about sliding and that. It doesn't mean you've bottomed out, but catching it early and like, you know what? I'm not feeling my best self. I'm not feeling great. What are some processes we can put you back in to get you up? Um, and there obviously are significant mental health issues where people will bottom out and, and get to a situation where it's difficult. But a general gen pop and most people um, to seek out, it doesn't need to be a psychologist, but a friend or someone. Like a lot of the work that I'll do around is my personal values and sometimes it's just a vent Mm. and just getting out what's on my mind and not letting it fester. Um, I'm really fortunate the footy club have got a foundation, the Pebble Hounds Foundation, and they're doing a fair amount of work and I'm getting involved um, in a program uh, uh, called Goals Ahead um, and Zero to Heroes, a company. So they're going in at a year eight level to schools and delivering a mental health program um, because that's where they sort of see the, the issues starting and to be able to share my experience of like what it is and to hopefully reduce or to um, take away that stigma of whether it's going to see someone or talking to a friend or just verbalizing how you feel and your emotions, it's a really healthy and a good thing to do. Mm. Like don't let things fester um, and you don't have anything wrong with you. Like it doesn't need to be binary of right and wrong. We're all different, we're all human. And if you can do something to benefit you for when a negative experience happens, isn't that a, isn't that a good thing? Like mm. we kind of know some bad stuff's going to happen in our life, 
why do we always wait till after? Why do we have to, like, head goes under the water, then we've got to start pulling people out. Put a life jacket on to begin with and just go in there going, all right, if I get drowned, I'm going to pop back up because I've prepared for these things. Yeah. Special. That's, um, yeah, you've, you've said it really well. I often go off on tangents and... Yeah. And Sorry, I just kind of got... No, I make right? weird yeah. analogies yeah. and your life jacket one is actually one that makes sense, whereas I'll just throw things out that haven't... Yeah, well, it's a, sense. the it's life jacket one kind of comes a little bit with, like, we took footy riding the wave, wins, mm. losses and outcomes and... It's, um, yeah, why not be more prepared? Like, if you're jumping into water and you know you're not a good swimmer, just put a life jacket on mm-hmm. but then also practice your swimming yeah and don't just keep jumping in over and over and over and not trying to get better to make sure you're always above like don't sink down um and it's again easier said than done and i'm in a fortunate environment where i have people mm-hmm. and support networks um but you've also got you, you do need to take some ownership and seek them out yourself mm-hmm. than putting your hand up and playing the poor me card when everything's gone wrong so yeah. that's a it's a fine line one thing i have got to i used to play a bit of the, the poor me card um and yeah it is it's definitely we do need people to build resilience understand that mate shit happens shit will happen to you yeah. and just because really bad things have happened to you and really bad things have happened to me doesn't mean we have a card in our pocket that says next time something comes around we can play that and Correct. and just skip it something bad's coming yeah <laughs> that's the way life is yeah. but it's about being prepared just as you said yeah. and just having your Balancing it out a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot of the a lot of the stuff that it does. Um, I think where I've landed a lot with it is it, which we talked about before. You know, am I a bad person? Um, and then who I am today. It's this sense of identity and who I am. And within footy, you can get drawn into I'm an AFL player. Mm. You know, and it's it's awesome. It's great. I love it. You know, yeah. playing. Uh, playing at Essendon, it was just brilliant. You know, people recognise you. The majority of people in environments that you meet them, they know you, who you are, and you don't know who they are. Mm. And um, there's a, you know, it feels pretty good. I bet. Like for people to know who you are. Um, so, for me, it just comes about yeah, who well, who am I? Mm. Because a part of me, I, like. A part of me, yeah, it is, is an AFL player, but we can tie ourselves to that too much because there's that instant gratification mm. and that instant real positive feeling of they all know who I am, how yeah. good I'm not going to come try and invest in others. And so that asked me the question, well, who, who am I? So my identity is tied up really with my values and the, how I live my life, not what I do for a job. Um, but it is easy to get caught up in what, well, yeah play AFL so that's pretty awesome and people know who me it's, it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah. I think um, you're probably more likely to get a free coffee if you tell the barista you're an AFL player than if you just said hey I'm Travis I'm actually really nice yeah <laughs> I try to be really nice what, what are your values you, yeah it yeah. doesn't really go well doesn't maybe, maybe I don't yeah I don't think you're going to get too many, too many nightclubs either doing that so now yeah. let's touch on it what I guess what are some of you what are some of the values obviously we've talked about a lot of things and one things that strikes me about you there's a few you've obviously got a good head on your shoulders man you're very mature and um i love the way you talk about things but what are some of those i'll actually get them up i'm sort of in a process of um i saw you opening your phone i thought he's calling he's calling for help he's getting um (laughs) but it's good to know yeah no i haven't written down i it's stuff that we work we work on um and it's changed actually a little bit i've sort of 
you can have heaps of values and all that. Mm. And I've tried to keep it pretty simple of these aren't necessarily things either that I'm good at. Yeah. These are things that I want, like I aspire and I view in people and it's how I would like to live my life. So um, we assess them, we figure out how I'm going, we try and put some skills in places to get me to that point. But I'm also, yeah, I'm not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination and, and where I want to get to my aspirations are tied up into this. Who's we, if you don't mind me uh, Me and the, my external psychologist that I use, yeah. um, I talk with Elle a lot about this because she usually is the one that cops the, the end of me not being my yeah. best self. Um, and also how they tie in with the footy club's values of ultimately which are performance and so how I can... Um, put my best foot forward and, and be a really good human in that so yeah. like it's the, the, the obvious one um, but it's one that I live is, is trust because mm. and that specifically came out of um, a lot of the stuff that we went through at Essendon was well, just was trust a breakdown of trust was basically yeah. um, how it all came about I went to a mindset where I didn't trust anyone mm. like you, you literally had to prove to me that I should listen to you rather than me going in with an open mind and asking questions and listening. Like, I, I hated authority, mm. hated being told what to do, mm. probably had it in me anyway that I didn't like <laughs> being told what to do. Uh, Elle certainly knows that. Um, but now, it, now coming out of the side, it's more of I have an, asking questions and um, anyone that has, is in a position where they have more knowledge, I want to grab that out of them. Mm. Um, I'm not great at communicating that at times and sometimes it comes off as I'm questioning that person about their genuine and their authenticity which is something that I'm learning to do but I just want to learn and understand because could I have done more as a younger player probably not but why shouldn't I continually be asking questions to gain trust and build those relationships so that's one of my um, authenticity is another one Um, and that comes lies down to really with who who I am um, at a fundamental level, mm. not necessarily who I want to be, but just being yourself, being willing to put yourself out there. Um, within the AFL, particularly, there's a sort of a, a mantra, you know, that liked and respected thing. Mm. Um, I chased being liked. Yeah. <laughs> chased it. And you're like, because you want to fit in, you want to be a part of it. But um, to be to be respected, there's not so many people that, in my mind and the way that I live like that I respect don't really like and you can mm. like some people but not actually really respect what yeah. they do and the way yeah. that they go about it and so if I'm me I would hope that I'm being me in the, in the search for respect from my peers they don't have to like me and you know what I'm, I'm actually okay with that yeah. but I feel that over time they'll begin to respect what I'm doing and, and, and um, going about it mm. persistence is another one which is probably based off a lot of the injuries that I've gone through yeah um, and just using that to really push through and at the moment really it's really interesting because we've got a, a heat chamber at the room you kind of get locked in there and you um, the boys are on the gym and they're sort of staring in it yeah. yeah I'm actually using that feeling and that emotion that oh, I really don't want to be in here I don't want to do this mm. this cross training session for when it's middle of winter we might have lost a few it's pissing down with rain yeah i remember when i was in the chamber and i I, all i wanted to do was be out in main training so i'm using using those to feel and just to have that that push through and that purpose and that reason um assertiveness is one that um i find quite quite interesting for me because it's more of wanting to kind of pull back on 
when I get emotional angry of like just going being almost mm. aggressive and just kind of palming people off and also comes off a little bit of the back of a willingness to ask questions and trying to specifically at a footy club hopefully not coming out of a meeting was like oh I should have said something should have asked a question mm. have that willingness to put it out there respect who's coming back to me but if I believe in something and it's well thought and it's rational it's logical stand by it like mm. don't be pushed over because if that's something that I've thought about and it's who I am and it's authentic mm. and I trust that person I should be able to put it I, I think we um, we should be able to have more conversations and we're not searching for consensus we're yeah. actually just searching for the truth mm. and we might not agree with it but hey we've had the discussion the um, thing I like about that one sorry the first ones would have definitely be on my list would be I feel like they're pretty run of the mill but a searchness it's a bit different like yeah. that's not something that I would have ever thought about being of value so it's it's quite yeah. interesting to hear how how different people go around yeah the way that they and think. that that was uh, i i re- i really like that one because it's it is something that i'm actually not good at mm. um and i want to get better at it yeah um and because i know it'll kind of help me search and, and explore and ask questions and open up and then the the last one uh, is just connection and that comes back to the connection that I had with my teammates, which is mm. quite obvious, but family, friends, and um, footy is, it's, it's a really selfish job. Mm. My life dictates Elle's life and now my son Charlie's life to the extent where I have so set time off. Everything's a schedule and a regime and it's booked in. This is what it is. When we socialize, when we go see people, what it looks like the night before a game, there's so much of it that's about me. Mm. And it's really easy to go, well, you just got to accept that. Mm. Like, and there's parts of it that need to be accepted, but it's also I need to start connecting more with others and outside, um, seeing my mates more and not, all, not kind of putting it onto them to come to me um, when they know I've got a buy or something or I've got all this time off in September. Oh, yeah, I'll see him then and mm. get it to them. It's like, well, no, that's, that's not who I am. Like, I need to be starting to put myself out there a little bit more. Um, and just having that real, those really strong bonds. Um, so they're sort of the five that I kind of broad, broadly live by. I'm sort of doing some searching at the moment with sort of some post-career and where it is. Um, and some obvious ones that you can throw in there. Um, respect is, is one that I'm kind of trying to learn because as I transition out of footy, yeah. there's going to be some um, challenges where I lack experience and skills going into mm, another yeah. environment. Um, and you, you know, I want to be, I want to be me, but there is that AFL's there. It's looming. It's here. So like, where does the respect piece lie? Yeah. Because I don't have the skills that they do in their industry. Um, so they're the things that I try and sort of come back to. Um, and they're, they're some footy specific, some not, some just everyday life, but these, these stuff kind of just keep me level headed, um, and allow me to just assess, you know, short term, like on a maybe an experience like mm. a conversation I've had with them oh, I didn't really like that mm. follow it up or over a week or over an extended period of time um, and sometimes you have to, and sometimes you have to go against your values for a period of time mm. to push through that um, but it's all it's all a learning experience and self-reflection on the end is important mate it's been so special to be able to sit here and, and chat with you that these podcasts selfishly and I, I haven't told anyone this but they're really just for me because I, I really love them <laughs> yeah, is that mic even on no none of this has been recorded <laughs> so um, that's a that's clearly a toy um but no it's been it's really 
special and I and I love the chats and I and I know that other people will love to hear from you. You've been very courageous with the things you've talked about. Obviously, still got a bit of that resilience now. You come back from a little calf injury. Yeah, and, hopefully not too long. But, yeah, look uh, forward to seeing you back out in the in the purple, mate. And wherever life leads you down the track, it's been so good to have a bit of your time. Obviously, in your busy schedule with Charlie as you mentioned and the and the dogs yeah, the that dogs you might sitting around have made so much noise which has been nice <laughs> footprints on the yeah. uh, wood floors might have been a giveaway but um no it's been really special mate thank you very much for for your time all good thank you how cool was that Travis Collier what a man um as I said earlier he was he was vulnerable he was open he was very brave in the things that he said um he didn't throw anyone on the under the bus. He didn't blame anyone, um, but he was still able to to make a point and, and say things that will truly have an impact on people. And I thought I thought it was really really special. And it's a credit to him as a man the way he was able to talk about something that that was and still is um, quite quite a tough experience for him to talk about. I think that's about it. Um, as I said, I'll say it a million times. I, I really enjoyed listening back to that episode and recording it so but anyway that's about it from me we've got a ripper episode coming up in a fortnight's time so make sure you keep clicking back like and subscribe we'll be back in a couple of weeks but in the meantime check in on your mind check in on your mates and i'll see you next time